Bishop Frank is fired up today on Let Me Be Frank. He has a plan to revitalize and completely rethink how we evangelize and form Catholics here in the Diocese of Bridgeport. And he's gonna to talk to us about that today on Let Me Be Frank. So keep your radio right here at 1350 AM or 103.9 FM, or keep listening on your phone using the Veritas mobile app. The app is available at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or at veritascatholic.com. Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship, and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad, the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Okay, here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. My name is Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good morning, my friend. Good morning. Happy uh, autumn, fall. Uh, yeah, already. It's uh, it's crazy. Oh, I love it. So the weather is the weather's starting to cool down. I, this is your favorite time of year, I know. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the color. I love the cool, uh, the cool breezes. I love the rhythm. I love the holidays we celebrate. From now until the end of the year is my favorite time of the year. I've said that many times. And, and I'm not the only one, actually, because I was watching the news early because I, yeah. you know, early in the morning. So at 430, they have they start the local newses and um, everyone was commenting how happy mm -hmm. they are that it's fall. That, so I thought, man, maybe it's more common than I realized. But, All right. <laughs> But my friend, in addition to the change yeah. of season, I believe that we have arrived at an opportunity of tremendous grace. That I have been waiting for, for nine years. And maybe it is Our Lady's gift after nine years of working together with all the wonderful people in our diocese that now suddenly there's a convergence of persons ideas and opportunities to create this renewal of the diocese. Renewal meaning more people coming to mass, more people observing the fullness of the faith, more individuals understanding the faith, more people on fire for the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. Right? And that's spilling over to our young people and young adults and all the people entrusted to our care. I actually drove back from Washington at the conference I was at, and I was like so joyful. I had to watch how fast I was driving, right? Otherwise, they would have arrested me in Maryland. <laughs> right? I, I was so taken up by everything that was in my mind about the potential and possibilities and it, that was the second. The first was the meeting we had a few days ago with the pastors and directors of religious education. It was such an open, creative, positive meeting. It was so encouraging to me to see all of these individuals who have been working so hard for so long with results that are not what we want 
admitting the fact that we have to change what we're doing and be open to some of the ideas on how to change it. Right? There was a trust in the room that just gave me such tremendous consolation. And in a sense, it's just the beginning of a much larger opportunity to re-evangelize the whole church. Mm -hmm. To re-evangelize those who are in the pews, myself included, to re-evangelize those who are no longer worshiping with us and offer the message of salvation to Jesus Christ. So we have spoken, we have spoken about the new methodology for catechesis. We've talked about that already. And it's seen in a larger process of evangelization. But what does that really mean? See, that's finally what clicked in my mind. Because in order to do this new model, and recall with me what that new model is, is that we want to recreate a, a kind of modern Catholic culture that fits the contemporary world. We're not going back, you know, to create something simply for nostalgia, but to create something that fits this world in which we live, where a young person or a young adult, but particularly a young person, has multiple opportunities to be touched by grace, right? Opportunities to encounter Christ, whether that opportunity is intellectual whether that opportunity is a movement of the heart, experience of beauty. We spoke to Father Clark and we spoke about that, right? Whether it's in an act of goodness, whether it's in a community setting, whether it's with good friends, whether it's in recreation, certainly in the sacraments, coming to me, all these opportunities, right? Touching different people in different ways. But the missing piece is the recognition that the principal, key, formational, agent is the parish community. It's not simply the catechists and parents, which we've talked about. They have an immediate role, but all the indirect formation has to occur in the parish community. You may say, well, what does that mean? Well, if a young person growing up wants to feel as if they have dignity, that they're respected, that they're considered worthwhile and that they are loved. In a community, that happens in a thousand different ways. If a young person is gonna be challenged to get beyond mediocre, but to strive for greatness, it's gonna happen in the community in a thousand different ways. If a person is gonna truly fall in love, not just with Christ, but with the church, the it's not going to happen by being enamored of the Vatican or the Pope, as wonderful as that may be. It's in your local parish community. You fall in love with your parish community, whatever that may be. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah, that is, yep, exactly. So then the question becomes, how do we revitalize parish community? How do we allow our parishes to be set on fire with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think to be honest, um, that was the missing piece in coming back from this conference that I attended. And now it, it just allowed so many things to click in my mind to say, what we wanna do in catechesis is, is a piece of a much larger puzzle. 
Now I have clarity as to what that puzzle is. So we have an ambassador program that's yielding some fruit, but what's the larger context? We're creating centers. We just spoke of the Sacred Heart. Maybe this, this morning when we'll have time in the second half to talk about the centers, more centers. Okay? But what's the larger context? We talk about parish reconfiguration and collaboration. We've talked about that. What's the larger context? What holds it all together so that everything makes sense and everything fits? And I'm going to tell you, this may sound like uh, almost simplistic, but it's an invitation for the church to get on its knees and ask for a new Pentecost, to ask the Holy Spirit to come and convert our hearts and convert our communities so that we're on fire, not just with moral conduct that is correct, not just with teaching the truth, which is essential, but to be disciples that proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To proclaim the offer of salvation and what that means to me, that Christ died for me, that he rose from the dead for me and for us, but for me that he endured all of his suffering for me. How much does he love me? How much am I worth to him? And he gave up everything. So what's my response, if not to give up everything for him, including my comfort, including my opinions, including my political persuasion, including my money. It's about him. It's about his saving death and resurrection. When was the last time, <clears throat> if I could be blunt, did you hear a homily about the death, about the offer of salvation? Not about what you should do, not about how you should act, but what Christ has offered to you, to me, to us. Part of why this clicked in my mind is there was a presentation given at this conference I attended by Bishop Donald Hying, who is the Bishop of Madison. And he just did a remarkable job. It was one of the finest talks I have ever heard in my whole life because it was simple, but it was bold. And he drew out at the beginning of it the mystery of Pentecost. And we've heard that story. I've preached on the Pentecost. We know what it's, what the story is. But, but he outlined it in such a way that it made it so real. Because, you know, the apostles had faith. But they had no conviction. Right? They had belief. But they were stuck behind closed doors and locked. They were apostles, but they were not witnesses to what happened for them and to them. And it was the gift of the Holy Spirit that allowed them to do what? They left and every person they met in every context they went to, they said, did you know about this Jesus whom you crucified? Peter said, but he has now risen from the dead for you. 
Now, in our modern, very um, politically correct kind of don't rock the boat, most people would hear what I just said and said, but those are the crazies. Right? Those are the fanatics. <laughs> those are the ones who you see on the street corner, right? That you cross the street to avoid, right? But the truth is, um, they may not be as crazy as we think. <laughs> and the truth is, in a new way, we have to be able to articulate and witness to our profound acceptance that Jesus is my Messiah and my Lord and my Savior. And everything else in my life has to be ordered to that. If we can use that as our theme for the rest of my time as the Bishop of Bridgeport, next 14 years, we will see over time, I believe, how the Holy Spirit, because he's being invited, will begin to touch my life, your life, Steve, other people's lives, and begin to gain that energy and initiative and the courage and the drive and the imagination and the creativity to find ways to make Christian faith not just relevant, but burning in the lives of people. And that has to do with every person in the pew, not just the catechists and not just the parents. It's everybody in the church. Everybody is going to be invited to this. Not just the ambassadors, not just pastor council members, not just extraordinary ministers, every single person who's baptized, every single person. That is the plan. That is the opportunity. It has remarkable possibility. What do you think so far? That That is so awesome to hear. I mean, because, you know, you look around uh, uh, some dioceses, some parishes, and it seems like uh, folks in leadership have resign themselves to just manage decline. But here you are, this is, this is, somebody told me recently that, um, that, that the diocese of Bridgeport is one of the real bright spots on the East coast. And they, and that people are coming here from other places because they know that the community, the leadership, the priests are awesome and rock solid and zealous and evangel evangelizing. And um, this is awesome. <laughs> well, you know what? Thank you for that. And so I want a bonfire. I don't want, I, I want, I want such a blazing fire that it will bring renewal to every Christian, every Christian, not just the old Catholics, every Christian, even in their respective churches. Right. Because we're all baptized. <laughs> all Christians are baptized if they're Christians. But for our purposes and particularly for our church to bring it to, to, to the renewal. So let me ask you some questions. This is all kind of like it. in the in the next couple of months, this will all be put out so everyone can understand it, see it, 
end to end and say yes or no to it. But parish leadership, staff development, but on the local level, how do we begin by taking parish staff and the clergy that serves them and the parish lay leadership and light the fire of the Holy Spirit in their hearts? That's where it starts. Okay. It can't start anywhere else from that because they have been asked to lead the community. So by their office, by their ministry, and by their witness, they need to be the, the, the beginnings. So parish opportunities for staff to pray together, to discern together, to form a community of faith together before they do anything else for anybody else. Right, for my brother priests to be able to support them and to give them the spiritual tools and the time they need to pray to be rejuvenated in their own life, right? So we have to look at how pastors, all the demands being put on pastors, some of those demands have to shift now, if we're gonna do this. If this is what we're going to do, then Mm -hmm. all we gotta put our money where our mouth is and our time where our our mouth is, and we're gonna have to redo our structures so that our money is where our mouth is, right? If this is what, and then what are you gonna ask from everyone? In the Diocese of Madison, the bishop is asking when the parish is ready, when the leadership is ready, he's asking every Catholic to do the following. Pray every day, go to Mass every Sunday, go to confession once a month, and do penance every Friday of their choice. Four things, which are fundamental to Christian witness. Those four things to personal holiness. It's all about personal holiness. This is not a game, it's not a show. If I grow in holiness, then the Holy Spirit is the one who is allowing me to do that. And then I will show it in my life. So we have to talk about what are we going to ask one another to do? It could be those and more. But those are the sort of duties and responsibilities that quite frankly, everyone should be doing anyway but may not be. So this, my friend, is the opportunity to remind people almost to enter into a covenant with every person and say, this is what the Lord is asking of every single one of us to be able to move our church to become the blazing fire of of the offer of salvation. So that those who are addicted, those who are lost without a spiritual life, those who are despairing, those who are lonely, will not just see us as a one-stop shop to say, well, I need some money to get me through today, but a place where they'll be welcomed and they'll be loved and they will stay, just like the ancient church. If somebody out there is listening to me and say, this guy's out of his mind, well, that's exactly what they said about St. Paul, didn't they? In the Acts of the Apostles. They said the same thing about St. Peter. And could we actually dare to hope that if this takes root so deeply in the life of our diocese, that there will be people, clergy, even lay people, whose shadow will heal the sick just by touching them, as Peter and Paul did. Why in the end do we believe 
that all that stuff happened at the early church and will never happen again. Who said so? <laughs> Who said so? The Holy Spirit, in the grace of, of the, the Holy Spirit can do anything in the power of the Lord Jesus from the gift of the Father and the Son. Could do anything. But do we dare to believe it? Now, I'm not suggesting we're going to have miracles all over the place. What I am suggesting is the first great miracle is to, what you just said, is to stop this low-grade depression and as if we're spiraling slowly and slowly ever more into a, a, a remnant. Well, no, we're not. That's not our destiny. Our destiny is to bring the offer of salvation to the whole world, it's convert the whole world, not get smaller. It's to get bigger, but not get bigger by accommodating the world, to get bigger by preaching Jesus Christ, dead and risen. Can you tell I'm worked up? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm worked up. This, this was a moment of epiphany. It was. It was just a moment of epiphany for me. So in the next few months, we're going to talk a lot more of it. And then there will be an invitation moment. But not just for the catechetical piece, but for this other piece as well. And I want to, in the convocation of priests, lay out some of this so that we can have a very fraternal and honest conversation about it. First, amongst ourselves. It is uh, so awesome to see you work, worked up in this positive oh, way. Oh, um, very worked up. I but just, I'm going to ask uh, you a question, Steve. I'm going to ask you a question. I can see the fire that's in you. Yes. Mm -hmm. If the Lord Jesus appeared to you right now and said, Steve, I will give you whatever you ask in in terms of what the church, what the diocese could look like in 10 years. In other words, tell me what you want to see and I will give it to you in the diocese. How would you answer that question? Gosh, so I, I, so I guess my answer uh, to the Lord would be, uh, I mean, exactly along the lines of what you're saying, a, um, a a a body of people who are on fire in their hearts but but also in their actions for you lord and for the church that you've given us as this vehicle to to you and uh that we are um unafraid in bringing the truth to the rest of society Excellent. And I would even be more specific if the Lord said it to me, because, you know, I'm much more demanding than you are, right? I would want at least 50% of baptized Catholics at mass. That means we would have, we would go from 50,000 people at mass to 210,000 people at mass. I would want 50 seminarians, good, healthy, holy young men who are on fire with the Holy Spirit. I would want, we have now about 30,000 young people in religious ed. I would want at least 75,000 young people being formed in the faith. And, and, and if you say to me, Bishop, you are out of your mind, if you think that can happen in 10 years, I would say back, 
if we don't dream and we don't place those petitions before the Holy Spirit, and if we don't work as if our life depended on it, which it does in part, to achieve those real goals, then they will never happen. They could never happen. So mm, this is an exercise yeah. to say to everyone, yeah. what, is, what is your hope and dream for the church? And why can't we ask for that hope and dream? Or why can't we work to make that happen? Precisely because the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to make that happen. Not me, not you, not us. What he asks of us is to be on fire with his love and proclaim Christ. <laughs> Everything else happens. Okay. More to come. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And so uh, uh, let's take a break then, Excellency. So this is, uh, this is very exciting and um, can't wait to, to talk about this more with you uh, over, not today, but over the next you know, several months and, and to hear more about uh, what you have up your sleeve in this regard. So we're going to take a break. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network, and we will be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Um, Excellency, you're giving us such an exciting vision. Um, tell us more about uh, some of the centers and their roles here in the diocese. Right. In, in executing this. Yep. So if, if the, the, the prime goal is to light the fire of faith in our hearts, to become missionary disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit, to live holiness, to live in communities that are faithful and loving, and to be able to proclaim Christ in the world, by word and witness, particularly the example of our life, if that's our goal, then uh, my heart is on fire, yours is on fire, 
but there are parts of our heart that burn brighter with certain aspects of the church's life. So for example, there are those among us who love young people and also love sports. And they see sports as a way to form young people to, to be good players, to develop their talents, to show good sportsmanship, discipline, personal responsibility, right? There are others who, like we talked with Father Clark, yeah. love beauty, right? So they love the Lord, they're on, but there's a particular love in their hearts for the things of beauty which we talked about. So the idea of creating centers is to harness those individuals who have a similar deep passion for a particular aspect of the church's life or the church's um, ministry or the church's teachings. Why that's important is for a number of reasons. The first is you get critical mass. In other words, if I am very much of a poetic nature and I write poetry, but I'm not aware of anybody else who's doing it. That which the Lord gave me as a gift is essentially hidden. But if I'm with others, suddenly now I'm not alone and together we can perhaps offer the fruit of what the spirit gave to us, to others, to inspire them, to encourage them, to instruct them, to teach them, to form them. So there's always in the in, in modern world of isolation, bringing people together with like minds is encouraging, supportive to them and will yield more results. So that's one. The second is it gives prominence to certain aspects of the church's life that in a certain age need to be highlighted. So for example, in the Middle Ages, the great basilicas and cathedrals were built to inspire people who were poor and struggling to teach the faith, to become living catechisms, despite their cost. We've talked about that. So what are the areas in the modern world, the contemporary world, that we need to highlight? So we talked about one, which is sacred beauty. Let me talk about two others. The first is everything Pope Francis has called us to reflect upon in Laudato Si. He chose the name Francis after Francis of Assisi, il poverello, for many reasons, not least of which, after almost 10 years as our Holy Father, he is trying to infuse in the church the Franciscan spiritual gifts. And Francis had a great love for creation because he saw it as an expression of God's love and goodness. So for Francis to see a beautiful sunset was a spiritual as well as natural moment. The fact that it invokes in one's heart wonder or a fascination. For Francis, that was just a way to encounter God in his beauty and in his greatness. So in the end, um, we need 
I believe, to create a center which may not be a place. So please don't misunderstand me. We're not creating necessarily physical places. A center could be just the, uh, the, the collection of individuals and a collection of programs, initiatives, opportunities around a particular theme that we can offer to people. And one of them would be environmental stewardship to take care of our environment, right? Now, it's a, it's a, it's a, a demand of Christian faith because the world and creation was given to us as a gift and we need to respect those gifts from a human point of view, regardless of what someone believes about climate change or not climate change or what the effects of climate change are. And that's not the point. The point is, regardless, we need to care for what God has given us because our children and grandchildren will receive what we give them. So those young people in Pakistan whose houses and schools were flooded out, they are God's children. And they need to be able to have a place that's safe and green and beautiful for them and their children and grandchildren. So in a sense, I would like to create a center that focuses in on, on care of the environment as a Christian, um, as part of a, a Christian's social duty, which comes to us from the gospels. Not political, not, it is just the work of the gospel. So for example, we have been doing a lot of things and almost nobody knows about it. Like for example, with the good work of Andrew Schultz, who is our diocesan director of real estate, I, I lost count on how many parish, school, and diocesan buildings now have solar energy and solar panels. That is not only just financially to our advantage, right, because it lowers the energy cost, but actually is helping to create a source of energy that doesn't rely on uh, oil from the Middle East or nuclear power, or anything else for that matter, that could run risks. And we've been doing it for years, but who knows about it? Right now at the cathedral, they are drilling 15 wells, 500 feet deep, because we're going to put geothermal heating and air conditioning into the cathedral, which will, which will cut the cost of heating and air conditioning dramatically but it's using the very heat of the earth to power what would in the past have cost gas or oil and electricity to do. And it's remarkable. It's expensive, but donors have come forward to do that. Then we have the, what we spoke about for, for Colby, the hydroponic farming. So when this is installed, the hydroponic farming will be able to provide fresh greens and vegetables to hundreds of families as they are grown within the containers with the technology we have now that allows them to do that at a fraction of the cost 
of what you would get in the supermarket. And the stuff in the supermarket is already probably, I don't know how many days old. Who knows, Steve, how many days old it is by the time it gets to us. Yeah, right. And this is exactly. great, right? And this would benefit yeah. the families of Colby and eventually the Academy of Bridgeport because it'll be right on the, on the campus. So you see what I mean? These are initiatives that I think we could be excited about that are not political, the common sense stewardship of the resources God gave us. And that's what I'm interested in. And I think lots of young adults are going to be fascinated to try to help in this, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. It's, Steve, tell me. I was just going to say, I mean, the thinking here is so outside the box. Um, it's, I'm, you're getting me excited, Excellency. That's all. <laughs> oh, good. Good. And let me give you one other center then. Another center is a center of life for life. And life in its fullest understanding. We start with unborn life. It's very disturbing to me to see what has happened after the Dobbs decision and the violence that has happened and the protesting and the disrupting of mass in different parts of the country. And it's, um, it shows that we have a tremendous amount of work to do to convert people's hearts to the message of the gospel. The inherent dignity of every human life from the moment of conception, because it is a divine gift, not a human construct life. We have not made inroads in our culture in any significant way. And that's going to be both education and witness. There are some tremendous initiatives in the diocese already underway to provide women with health services that are consonant, consistent with Catholic teaching. There's the advocacy that we do, right, in education. This Project Rachel that helps women heal those uh, who particularly have un undergone abortions, right? There is the whole world of contraception and what the church teaches. And I know many people, are, you know, the vast majority of Catholics don't accept the church's teaching, but the vast majority of Catholics have never really learned what the church actually teaches on the subject. Right. Right. Yeah. But with life, it also means, it means young couples because a child has a right to be born, but he also, or she also, should have a loving family and parents who are themselves going to nurture and support that life, not only according to their best mind, but according to the mind of Christ. We have to walk with young couples, you know, who live very challenged lives in a very secular, post-Christian, and in many ways, atheistic world. We have to help them to, to what does that mean from the moment of baptism on? from the moment of birth on. And then there's all the, the life issues beyond that, right? That So one place where it's not you do this, you do that, you do the other, but the truth is it's a place where we stand with I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
That's what the Lord said about himself. I am the life. And a place where all people of like mind can come together and work together to create a fabric for our diocese and maybe beyond that will allow people to understand what Jesus meant when he said, I am the life. And what it means to say you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. What does that mean? And how does that change the way we act? And then there's other ideas for others as well, right? Apologetics. To help people to overcome the obstacles to faith. Justice, right? In, because there's so much injustice in the world. And there's so many other ideas floating around. So uh, we can't create everything all at once. But the two that I have just shared with you seem to be the ones that are gaining more and more and more traction. So please, God, within the next year, we can be able to inaugurate these and invite people of like mind to come. Come and let's shoulder to shoulder realize what the Lord is asking. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, Excellency. It sounds like a lot of work. So what kind of teams have you started forming or will you be forming to take all this stuff on? Each of the centers is independently incorporated, right? So that I am the member and then there's a board. So for these initiatives to work, we need a board that will help guide its work. Now for the Sacred Heart Guild, we actually have a, a rector and a director who is Father Michael. For these other centers, we may not initially because we would have to raise money to do that and justify the cost. But a group who is given the task of shepherding the center could work together to realize the mission in collaboration. Or perhaps we could have someone who is a part-time director who kind of make sure that all the different individuals and their initiatives go forward, you know, like the conductor of the orchestra. We don't have to pay an entire orchestra. We may need to have a conductor. So we'll see. That's part of what's being, you know, the conversation that's going on now. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm absolutely Uh, excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I guess. So, so then, um, once you have the idea and the details and the roadmap fit, you know, finished and you're putting this all into place, is this something that you could export to other dioceses or other bishops could come to you and say, I like what you're doing here. Can I have a blueprint so that I can begin to implement yes. it? And- oh, yes, without a doubt. This is all for the cause of salvation. This is all for saving souls and going to heaven. There's no, in fact, the Bishop of Madison when he finished his presentation, I was so taken aback. I said to him, I'm going to steal almost everything you said. And he said to me, go right ahead. He said, it's, it's all for the cause. <laughs> now, of course, we're not going to steal it in the sense of we're not, we can't do it because we're not Madison. We're not Wisconsin. <laughs> Connecticut's very different. But, the, but some of the themes, yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I would offer it to any diocese, any bishop, anybody who would want to do it. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, this is, this, yeah, I'm so happy to hear that this is happening uh, in areas of the country. We need to, we need to export this stuff to 
Europe. <laughs> and we need to do it. And, and I'm going to say this, and we need to do all of this um, with great prudence and sacred cunning. Now you may say, what in the name of the Lord is sacred cunning? And sacred cunning, my friend, mm. is to recognize that there are many potential problems that can happen, temptations that can happen along the way that can have our agenda stolen, usurped by other forces, other aims, other rationales that have not to do with the gospel. And I will do whatever I can to make sure that does not happen. Right? We mm -hmm. can't totally divorce ourselves from the larger context. And there is a proper mm -hmm. role to advocate for political change, in which case that role is going to be there. It always has been. But these initiatives, I don't want them to get sucked into this other work because then it will not be a unifying factor. And I do not want that. This is a work of the gospel. We could talk politics and advocacy and change, which we have to do in a separate way. So that's my hope. Okay, Excellency. So uh, this is amazing. Um, can't wait to hear more about it uh, in coming months. For now, let's uh, go to a break, and when we come back, we'll have a listener question. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Be right back. Hi there. This is Lauren Doyle from Restless, and I'm here to invite young adults ages 21 to 40 to a dance and pizza party hosted by the Church of the Holy Spirit on Saturday, October 1st from 7 to 10 p.m. Join me, Father Joseph Gill, and the rest of the Restless crew as we celebrate reaching our 100th episode. The night will feature a beginner ballroom dance lesson and then transition into dance party fun with opportunities to support your favorite local Catholic radio station. Yes, you guessed it, Veritas Catholic Network. When you're not dancing, enjoy pizza, beer, cider, and wine. Tickets to the event are available for $20, which you can purchase by emailing secretary at holyspiritstanford.org. The price increases to $30 at the door, so get your tickets today. We hope to see you for what is sure to be a great night on Saturday, October 1st at Holy Spirit in Stamford, Connecticut. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, very interesting question that came in this week. So um, here it is. Mm -hmm. It says, Dear Bishop, does it actually matter if someone joins the Catholic Church? Will God really send good people to hell just because they're not Catholic? I know many non-religious people who live better lives than self-professed Christians. Well, that's, that's actually two questions, and they, it raises a very interesting point, <laughs> right? First of all, um, the church is the mystical body of Christ. So the church is the enduring presence of Christ in the world. And... Um, it is the universal sacrament of salvation, as Lumen Gentium teaches us. So it does matter whether a person belongs to the Catholic Church or not. Because in the Catholic Church, you have all the divinely given means by which one can encounter Christ, be nurtured in faith, and come, please God, one day to heaven. Having said that, there are many individuals who 
are not in the church. And the church has always said that if they follow right reason and they follow the revelation that um, has been given to that religious tradition um, and live a good life, that of course they can enter into the glory of heaven because for many, for the majority, maybe for all of them, it is not necessarily their choice or fault that they are not in the Catholic Church, right? Many have never heard of the offer of salvation in Jesus Christ proclaimed by the Catholic Church in an effective way. They've heard vaguely about this church, but they haven't heard it personally in an effective way. That goes back to our conversation about missionary disciples, right? Right, to be on fire, to be able to offer the message personally to people. They have not heard it. Therefore, they can't reject what they haven't heard. And then there are those Catholics who were wounded by other Catholics, right? That And that woundedness has caused them to leave the church. Once again, they didn't ask to be wounded. They didn't ask to be victimized, but they were. They didn't ask to be maltreated, but they were. And so in a sense, if, if, if the church is truly holy, those things wouldn't happen. But the church is holy, but its members are not holy. That's part of the mystery of the church. So the church is in itself holy, but we're not. So again, to, to say that someone would not be saved implies conscious choice and the current, the one incurring guilt, which for the vast majority of individuals, that may not be the case at all. And, and Lumen Gentium taught that there are elements of the truth in other religious traditions, but not the fullness of the truth and not the full presence of Jesus Christ, because that's the mystical body of Christ, which is the church. So yes, it does matter. Yes, our, our task is to invite people into the mystical body of Christ, which is the Catholic church in its fullness, its fullness. And please God, many will respond and our Christian brothers and sisters all right, in both the churches and ecclesial communions, we share a common baptism, we share a common faith, right? We should be working towards unity amongst ourselves for, for the witness we have before us and leave the rest to God. <laughs> so that's a very long yeah. answer to a very yeah. short question, but I hope it makes sense. Excellent, very good. So if you have a question for Bishop Frank, Send it in to us on social media, or you can email questions at VeritasCatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And we would like to thank our wonderful sponsor, Foundations in Faith. It's a grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization that makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport. And you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. Excellency, may I ask you to please give us your blessing before absolutely, we go? Absolutely, absolutely. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We give you thanks, O Lord, for thy many blessings and graces that you give us in so many ways each day. Continue to keep us faithful, joyful, and courageous in preaching the charisma of Jesus Christ. Bless all those who listen to this podcast. 
Keep them and their loved ones so close to your heart. And I ask that you bless them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, my friend, next week, back again. Amen. Thanks, Excellency. Yes. All the best. Okay, see ya. Ciao. Yes.